0: Hello and welcome to I Love Edmonton Real Estate. My name is Jason Scott. I'm your host and today with me is Kevin Lackey. Kevin is the owner of Acclaimed Heating, Cooling and Furnace Cleaning. Welcome to the show,
1: Kevin. Thank you very much, Jason. Pleasure to be with you today.
0: Okay, so Kevin, tell me about Acclaimed and what Acclaimed does and how you help homeowners.
1: Well, you know, we consider ourselves, uh, number one, a service-first company. And uh, we're dealing with the public and property management and commercial uh, properties, and that's our number one focus. What we do is furnace cleaning, heating, and cooling. And with the heating and cooling needs, that means furnaces, air conditioning, we also do water tanks, and all types of furnace and duct cleaning, all types of properties. Okay, so how'd you get into this business? I got into this business. 24 years ago now, started working for another company. I instantly found it really rewarding working for people and getting the results and feeling really good about the service that I was giving them. Very quickly, I decided that we would start our own company, my wife and I, many years ago. And we started with the philosophy of service first and, of course, doing a great job every time. And that's something that we live by and breathe by today. Now that we've grown and have many employees, that's still number one. And really, everybody that works here, including myself, it's it's really the type of reaction and the type of relationships that we have with our clients that everybody finds are rewarding. And I'd say that that's the number one thing.
0: Okay, Kevin. So it was just you and Tammy who originally started the company and just the two of you working in it?
1: We did. We started that in 1995, just Tammy and I, one truck, one guy being me. And we fairly quickly grew to two or three trucks early on. And now we're up to... A fleet of about 12 trucks and 22 employees.
0: Wow. How many uh, service calls would you do a year?
1: Gosh, Jason, you're going to make me do the math here. Well, just a guess. Uh, Let's call it 10 a day.
0: Okay. That's a lot.
1: That is is quite a few (laughs) in terms of service calls, and uh, that does not include uh, other things like... uh, different other appointments too but we do we do a large volume here
0: okay so what are some of the major issues that edmonton homeowners run into when it comes to you know their furnaces and air conditioners
1: the furnaces are a requirement and they're very necessary in edmonton
0: (laughs) and they usually break in january not july right
1: they they do so in terms of a common problem that people have is breaking down and not having heat that's number one because in our climate air conditioning it's not an emergency most of the time, furnaces are. And so it's reacting to those problems with breakdowns very, very quickly and efficiently. And homeowners are educated quite a lot by us in terms of how they can prevent those things and simple things that they can do that result in those breaks. And one of the more common things with furnaces, air conditioning as well, is making sure that the filter inside of that furnace and for the air conditioner are kept clean to keep the air flowing through it. We get a lot of service calls where something simple like that could be avoided.
0: So these are filters that are completely clogged because they haven't been changed in several years?
1: Yeah, that's correct. And surprisingly, (laughs) it doesn't take very long to clog them. You know, uh, some houses clog up within a month and there's a huge degree of uh, variance. You could have somebody that is a single person, only goes to church on Sundays and doesn't have shedding pets or kids around every year is probably fine for that person. Whereas somebody with shedding cats in an active household with their fan running all the time, once a month is sometimes in order.
0: Right, okay. What are some of the other common breakdowns when it comes to furnaces and and how to prevent them?
1: Well another common breakdown with furnaces are different uh, motors and also electronics. Typically uh, for the last 25 years furnaces have two motors One for exhausting the air out that's combusted and the other one is for moving that air through the house. Those are simply things that are mechanical components that at some time will fail. And the other thing with today's modern furnaces going back again 25 years is they all have computer boards. Just like a computer has its motherboard there that most people are unfamiliar with, furnaces are the same thing. So there are electronic issues with furnace reliability now where they just were not present 25 years ago. Things are very reliable, things have come a long way, and furnaces today are much more reliable than they were 10 years ago. And they're generally not a problem, but those are another area where we see some concerns.
0: Right, so if the electronics are going to go, I mean, that's just a numbers game, right? Uh, There's no way to prevent electronic failures.
1: That's right. There are circumstances where things like the motors, things like the motherboard in there, there are things that can be detected earlier on with a preventative maintenance. So by having an experienced service person come in and really go through the whole furnace, we can spot some problems with the motors that are going to develop before they happen. And with the electronics, there are a lot of circumstances where it is having a loose wire or miswired from installation. Perhaps somebody put a humidifier in and changed things around. So those types of things are detected as well. So some of them are preventable.
0: Okay. Uh, speaking of humidifiers on furnaces, what's your take on them?
1: Humidifiers in Alberta are almost a necessity, but given the fact that they're a necessity, means that people like to have the humidity in the air, but people have had a bad experience with humidifiers. And the type of humidifiers that we've been installing for many years now are called a flow-through humidifier. Those humidifiers don't have any water standing there in stagnant. Those humidifiers are very clean and very efficient when working with your furnace. There is one negative aspect to them, which is that you have some wastewater going down the drain. Most people though have a humidifier that came with their house when it was originally built. And that's something that is really great for a home inspector and a realtor to be looking at when they're doing an assessment of the house because the humidifier oftentimes will leak. And when it leaks, it will leak on top of the furnace and when that happens that's when you have corrosion resulting in a repair. So there are three types of humidifiers, one is called a plenum mount humidifier, the other is a drum mount that a lot of people have had in the past that has given humidifiers a terrible dreadful reputation <laughs> and uh, and then there are the ones that, that absolutely work really really well when properly installed.
0: I happen to own one of the terrible ones and you know what I did the second I moved into my house I turned it off.
1: <laughs> yeah it's a common practice for us to turn them <laughs> off and also to take them off yeah. of the duct system because there's lack of efficiency that happens A lot of times those are turned off and you have a bunch of gunk in there that is still circulating through the house. So we take them off a lot of the time, even though we might not be putting a new one on.
0: Right. Now with houses being as, well, modern houses, let me rephrase that, being as tight as they are, I mean, is it as necessary to have a humidifier as opposed to, say, the 1950s bungalows where, you know, they're drafty windows, etc.?
1: That's a great question. We're talking about two totally different indoor environments. Okay. A 1950s house that hasn't been updated or even a 1970s house, those have very low efficiency windows and insulation. And the worse qualities and insulation values a window has and walls have, the less humidity can actually be pumped into that house and the house handle it. So a humidity of only 25% might freeze badly and get lots of condensation on the windows, which then drips down in an older house, where a newer house, you should be able to get somewhere between 30% and 40%. And even though houses today are tighter, there's generally not nearly enough humidity in them. And one misunderstood thing, uh, because of really a bunch of different uh, different factors, is that you shouldn't be gaining more than the 30 to 40 percent humidity rating in a house. Any more than that, in northern Alberta, regardless of the quality of your windows, it's going to start to freeze up on your windows. And anything over 50 percent, we're running into big problems with mold and bacteria and that type of thing and that's something extremely common in hotter climates and even down east that's very common because we do have such a dry climate here unless you have a humidifier that's malfunctioning generally you don't see that because we do have such a dry weather here there are things called HRVs, which will circulate the air through the house and exchange the air and those have been code now for a little while so we're seeing that in all the new house builds that are done and that type of system is continuously bringing fresh air from outside. It transfers through a heat core and the air that's leaving the house transfers its heat to that air that's coming in. Mm -hmm. And that type of thing is very common in the last 10 years but code in the last two. And that really continually freshens the air. But that's also taking the humidity out of the house. So when you have air leaving the house with humidity in it, you need to replace that humidity and that's what the humidifier does well
0: right okay now if you didn't have one of those systems you know presumably having showers in the morning and cooking in the evening etc that that's obviously providing humidity would that you know potentially be enough or even too much depending on what's going on
1: in the house yeah that's a great point uh, generally with humidity what's critical is that it's removed from the house when it's created so when people are showering It's very important to have that fan on so that you're not creating high humidity in that one location. And if you notice when you're having a shower and whatnot, you don't see any condensation building up on windows in the bedrooms or anything like that, but it's extremely high in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is to get that exhausted. And depending on the house, if you have a thousand square foot house and six people living in it and six showers and lots of cooking, especially if you're doing lots of pasta and rice, (laughs) you're absolutely right. Occasionally, you'll have too much humidity, but that's exceedingly rare in our climate that you would actually have too much. And most certainly, depending on the environment again, you absolutely uh, will need a humidifier or you may not. It's not uh, something that is always necessary.
0: Right. Okay. So let's say someone's got a, you know, 10 to 15 year old house, the furnace is roughly that age, they suffer a breakdown of some sort. What are the deciding factors between doing a repair job on a furnace
1: and replacing the furnace? That's a great question. Uh, I would put it to this to people. Uh, do you own a Ferrari or do you own a Toyota? If it's a Ferrari, those parts are going to be exceedingly expensive. There's going to be almost none in Edmonton. The parts are not going to be available and so forth. So it depends on the brand. It depends on the type of issue that there is. And usually with a furnace that age, if it's just a normal run-of-the-mill furnace, it's repairable at reasonable cost.
0: Right. So replacing blower motors and stuff like
1: that. Right? And replacing those are really uh, really straightforward. On the other hand, if you have the highest tech, most expensive furnace of the day that was installed back when it was done, rarely do we recommend a fix because then the motors are very expensive. A lot of times they're not available, they have to be ordered because of supply and demand. Very few were manufactured at the very high end of the range and the parts are not stocked or wholesale here in Edmonton, again, because of the high cost of those products. So it really varies between different brands The other thing that makes a big difference in our city is that all brands of furnaces are not represented or sold. So if you have a furnace that's an obscure brand that is from a wholesaler that sells very few, again, parts will be a very difficult thing to access. And again, supply and demand means they'll be expensive. So we assess every furnace on its own merit. So what are some of the more common brands here in Edmonton? The common brands and the ones that have a really good market share But not just a good market share, but have a really strong dealer network. And importantly as well, they have a strong wholesale network in terms of being supplied and distributed from Edmonton would be Train. That would be the number one in terms of quality in Edmonton. And the others are Lennox, Carrier and Goodman. Those are the ones that have a big market share. There are three or four other brands out there, but they have very little market share. So I always recommend trying to go with one of those four brands there are all sorts of different budgets. They're all pretty good quality, even the lower priced ones. And that way you're assured that 10, 15 years from now, parts availability dealer network and availability here in Edmonton through the wholesale supply will be no problem.
0: Okay. So, I mean, obviously in Edmonton, we've had a, a major construction boom say in the last 15 years. So what's a typical or what's a realistic life expectancy on a quote unquote modern furnace?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, especially as it pertains to new construction. Most houses, unless they're custom builds, have low-end budget furnaces in them. And as such, those furnaces don't last quite as long as a replacement furnace normally would that people invest in. So the average life expectancy, you'd expect between 12 and 15 years out of those. And another issue that we find in new construction is that the furnace that ends up in your house, before you moved in, That furnace may have been running 24-7 in January as they were building the house, running the basement. So we've seen furnaces that literally run 15-year lifespan before anybody moves into the house. And that plays havoc because they're in a dusty atmosphere, all the drywall dust, they're in before even the concrete goes into the basement. So it's one of those things that can be really hard on a furnace and that will dictate that on the new home side of things. Interesting I had no idea. Yeah it's interesting because we can tell right away and consumers can tell right away as well because on each top corner of the furnace you see a hole and that hole that's on each of those corners was used as an anchor point on the furnace and then they had some straps hanging that furnace from the trusses and joists in the basement. So if they have those little holes you can be assured that they were hung and used during construction to heat the property. And if they're not there, then it was not.
0: Right. Okay, so that's a good segue into furnace duct cleaning. So, you know, you let's say you're a first time uh, owner of a, a home that's just been built. You know, I would assume that it's probably a good idea to get the ducts cleaned, even if the builder says they've done them.
1: You know, it's kind of like that cheap inexpensive furnace that builders put in most of the time. They generally are having a duct cleaning that will get the system clean so everything looks clean. And absolutely a lowest price dictates often a job that's not done as thoroughly as it should be. That's not always the case. And there are things as well, just like hanging that furnace that you can spot to know if there is a decent job done or not. In all duct cleaning, there should be a couple of patches, about 10 inches by 10 inches, which are covering access holes that people use for duct cleaning vacuum. Behind those patches, there's an 8-inch hole. That's key to see in the system. If those aren't there, it wasn't done properly. End of story. There's also a lot of 1-inch holes that typically have black plugs in them, 1-inch, and you should have those numerous places in all of the different areas of the duct system. If those are there, again, at least the right preparations were made and things should be done properly when those are spotted. And it's something that we do find a lot as well, where the cleaning is done before some of the stages of construction are done. So drywall dust, if they're done before that, is not something that's going to be taking that out. So it really varies in terms of the quality, but those are the things you can look for in terms of determining that. And the other great thing to do is to just open your registers, take them off the cold air returns on the wall, the grills on the floor, take your phone, take a picture or video up there with your flashlight, and you'll be able to determine some real basics of whether it was cleaned well or not. Right.
0: Okay. And why, okay, I mean, somewhat of an obvious question, but why would you want to clean your ducts?
1: Cleaning your ducts comes down to air quality more than anything else clogged ducts where they have that much debris in them is actually fairly common on new construction i've found everything from mcdonald's bags filled with all the refuse two by fours drywall we've done houses where literally there is garbage inside of the ducts so that is level with the floor
0: (laughs) so no air is getting through
1: zero air is getting through and it's honestly level with the floor Unfortunately, depending on the builder, or construction trades, they will have their things swept up at the end of the day, not paying attention to that. And I think most of our guys here have actually found and owned tools from some other contractor that leaves it in the duct. So we, we find everything from construction. So you do get air blockages during new construction. For the rest of the time, it's really a big air quality issue where any dust in that system and debris all of that is getting picked up and airborne through the house and that'll affect allergies, asthma, uh, the amount of dust that you're having on your objects in the home also.
0: Okay. How often should ducts be cleaned?
1: Ducks should be cleaned every one to five years in a residential setting. I was mentioning before about the person that only leaves their house on Sundays, has no pets, very little use in their house. That person shouldn't be getting it cleaned every year. That would be something that would not be advisable. Every five years would be fine. Where again, for that environment where you have a very active house, shedding cats and dogs, you have people with a house with allergies, absolutely every year will make a big difference to that household.
0: Okay. And typically, what is the cost for duck cleaning?
1: The duck cleaning cost is something that is very important that you have estimated right. by somebody that you're calling for that service. In Edmonton, our marketplace dictates that we start off with a package that normally includes one furnace cleaning. It also includes up to 10 air vents being cleaned. Our company it has a bunch of other services in our package, but the key is to know that you have extra ducts in your house that need to be accounted for. And each of those extra ducts add up. And depending on the company and such, you're going to be looking somewhere between $10 and $20 per extra, ventilation, uh, extra vent. So the price can creep up there. So it's very important when you're getting a price make sure that you're dealing with a company that doesn't have any hidden surprises in their prices and let them know how many ducks they have in their house. Uh, We guess and we're quite accurate based on the square footage and our quoting is fairly accurate, but counting up all the ducks in your house and relaying that to a company will ensure that you're getting an exact quote on that. Now, a thousand square foot house getting fully cleaned by a good quality company will cost anywhere between 200 and $300 typically. And then the price rises as you have a bigger house because you have more ducts. If you have an extra furnace, that will add on cost. And also if you have an air conditioner, that adds extra cost as well for things that we need to do with that.
0: Right, do you typically do dryer vents when you're in at the same time?
1: Great question, dryer vents are very important. Uh, There's too many dryer vent fires in Edmonton, they seem to be on the rise, which is really terrible. Dryer vents, again, depends on the usage. When our company goes in, we always inspect the dryer and dryer vent and that way we can determine if it's necessary or not. A lot of folks have that done every year as routine maintenance and a lot of people do have that done when their furnace and ducts are cleaned and it's a big deal to get done. One of the big signs there is if it used to take 45 minutes to dry a load of laundry and now it's taking one hour, that's a really good indication that that dryer vent is getting clogged up and restricted And it's very inefficient for your dryer. But more importantly, on the safety side, if you've got dryer lint built up in there, that's going to have a a severe impact in terms of the chances of having a dryer vent fire.
0: Or in my case, I had a bird's nest in mine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bird's nests. That's a conundrum. Our our company does over 10,000 dryer vent cleanings every year on property management residences, high-rise condos, low-rise condos. And it's a conundrum I've been facing for 20 four years in this business. We have that solution that some people want to use, which is putting a screen on the outside of their dryer vent. And that is a disaster, unless you're inspecting it frequently. Because that screen, if it's small enough to prevent birds from getting in, acts as a secondary filter for all that dryer lint coming out. And one of the expectations people have typically is that their little screen in their dryer is collecting all of that lint. And unfortunately that's not the case. It's collecting most of that lint, but a very big proportion goes through and gets things coated up and that will get caught on that screen. And that then is just as bad as a bird's nest inside of there. And once you have a bird going into your dryer, I swear that there is a scent that they leave behind because we will clear those out. We've had buildings that might be a hundred unit condos and we have birds nests with little birds in the nests in like 20 of those wow. and again the screen is something that we can put on for you if there's somebody continuously inspecting those from outside the house so it is one of those catch-22s
0: what about the, the flapping system where you know when the, there's air flowing through it opens and then closes when the dryer's not running
1: yeah it's amazing watching birds go in birds can get into that house no problem you think that you've got a a padlock on that dryer vent uh, flap and it is remarkable what those guys can get into they just kind of use their beak and they get into virtually any type of dryer vent hood system that there is if they want to really yeah
0: oh i guess they like condo living too
1: (laughs) they like (laughs) condo living too very comfortable yes
0: so It's starting to warm up in Edmonton. It's air conditioner season time. What are uh, some of the issues that people typically run into with air conditioning?
1: One of the issues they face is starting the unit up and making sure it's running correctly from the start. It's something that you should go through that procedure. Instead of just turning it on to cool the house, turn it on and really observe and listen to what it's doing. Feel the air in terms of its chilling capacity and how cold that air is getting these are really simple straightforward things that you can do and it's quite easy to tell actually if it's not cold coming out it's also quite easy to hear a rattling sound or a humming sound or something like that from the unit and it might be working but those sounds are a clue that you should have somebody come in and service it sooner than later so whatever is happening can be stopped generally it's going to be cheaper to fix at that time another problem people face is thinking that they have to have their system charged up every year. A lot of folks call us every year and they say, oh I think I need to get my system charged up. And a charge up is only necessary if there is a refrigerant leak in the system. When it's installed and serviced properly there should not be any leaks and it should not result in having to charge it all the time. But we do have a good number of clients that call in They've been dealing with other folks over the years, or they've been dealing with us where they don't want to address the root of the problem where they have somebody in every year, they charge it up, they get two or three months of the unit working before enough leaks out, and that's just a routine that they go through. But there is an issue if you have to have it charged up every year, and just feeling the cold air coming through is a good thing. A very important thing to do, just like furnace maintenance, is having a professional come out and recommission basically which means taking all of the readings and all of the, the gauge indications on the refrigerant levels and how that air conditioner is functioning just like a furnace we want to make sure that's functioning very efficiently and cleaning the condenser outside is the unit that sits outside making sure that those coils don't have dust on them and a lot of times those are just plugged right up like cardboard jason people don't pay attention to it and uh, the unit's not working and there's literally a shag carpet coating the coils which doesn't allow it to cool down.
0: Right and that like I'm thinking the trees are going to start uh, dropping their seeds and in Edmonton you get this cloud of uh, tree seed coming through. That's probably a major contaminant for air conditioning.
1: It's absolutely huge. So when your air conditioner is running when the environment is like that outside, Another thing that's similar is if you live in an area with high construction. So if you live in an area of high construction where you have a lot of airborne dust, that will plug an air conditioner up very quickly also. And again, it's one of those visual things that you can do at the beginning of the season to instead of just turning it on, go around and check things like that and make sure that they're clean. Those things can usually be cleaned by homeowners with a vacuum, a garden hose, things of that nature, but it's critically important to do on that first initial startup.
0: Right. Okay. Most new houses today will have gas fireplaces. What are some of the uh, issues that people run into with those?
1: One of the most common issues with gas fireplaces, which is not a a problem with the fireplace itself, is the glass on the front developing a white little substance or black substance. Have you been to my house or something? (laughs) I've got that. (laughs) Well, it's very common. You know, if you use your gas fireplace, you're going to get that. What is it? Vercaptan, I believe, is the word. Vercaptan, I believe, is the the substance that they add into the natural gas that provides the scent uh, that you use. And so I've been told over the years that that's what actually creates that white substance on there. And if you have the white substance, things are probably functioning just fine. And there's very specific glass cleaner for that. Taking your glass off is necessary using a specific cleaner for gas fireplace uh, cleaning that gets that stuff off really really well and it's just one of those maintenance things in your house. We provide that service as well. It is something that a homeowner can absolutely do safely and if you have any black soot being created in that fireplace that's when it is a a call of action that you need to take getting a professional in there because there shouldn't be any kind of creosote or soot developing anywhere in that system, that indicates that there is a problem with the combustion of the gas.
0: So a bad burn, basically?
1: A bad burn, yeah. Okay.
0: So if I take my glass off, I scrub it up, I put it back on, I shouldn't run into any issues with not being able to seal it properly so carbon monoxide is getting into the house?
1: No, that shouldn't be any issue. Uh, You're taking it off, you're putting it back on the same way when you're taking it off, if you notice that there are any seals that are deteriorated or anything like that, then those should be replaced before you put it back together. Again, I can't emphasize enough that if you don't use a proper cleaner for that glass, you'll actually probably scar the glass if you clean it with Windex and other chemicals uh, and other cleaning products. And then it's beyond state of repair and you have to replace the glass. So Canadian Tire, Home Depot, any retail outlet like that will carry that. Good to know. I guess I have a project
0: for the weekend. <laughs> oh, lucky you. <laughs> okay. Now, Alberta, the provincial government has recently introduced the Energy Efficiency Alberta program. Uh, so this is where they're taking some of the money from carbon tax and using it towards rebates uh, for consumers to to upgrade things like windows or insulation or, you know, get rid of hot water tanks and replace that with on-demand systems. Have you been involved in that on any level?
1: We've been actually involved right from the very beginning, even prior to it being rolled out. We were picking up on the lack of good communication from the government as to what was going to be included in that. And there's a lot of folks that still think that high efficiency furnaces, for example, are part of that program where they will be. And they're not. Why not? Well, that's a great question. And uh, the <laughs> It response, seems to me that's, uh, the, that's the lowest hanging fruit, I would think. Well, it's the lowest hanging fruit, and we, we haven't had answers from the province that have been insightful on that, other than them telling us that those will not be included this first round, nor do they have any short-term plans to include them. And that is a shame because it would make a big difference. But nonetheless, they provided three different substantial rebates to homeowners. One is for windows one is for insulation and the other is for tankless water heaters. And we come into play with the tankless water heaters. Firstly, when you're considering any of those, you must deal with a contractor that is registered with that program with the Alberta government. In order to get the rebate. In order to get a rebate and comply with that. If you're dealing with a contractor who is not registered under that program, you will not get a rebate back. And that's uh, easy to find out by going to energyalberta.com and looking through that list. There are a selected group of contractors that have been interviewed and meet all of the requirements and that ensures that everybody that's on that list will have a proper license and proper coverage and proper business practices. With the tankless water heaters that we are doing, we've installed several of those units under that program. They certainly save a lot on gas, and they provide unlimited hot water, which is great. If you have lots of teenagers, of course, you're going to use three times as much hot water if it never runs out. (laughs) So careful what you wish for. Do you speak from personal experience here? Yes, (laughs) I I do speak from personal experience on that. And uh, it's, it's not for everybody. A lot of folks that are calling us, they do have misinformation on the cost of those. The The cost of installing a tankless water heater in a home will range between $3,900 and $4,900 and in some cases more. There is a lot that has to be done for adding infrastructure to your home. In most cases, we have to do substantial gas work to make sure there's enough gas pressure going to that unit and there's a lot involved. And so, a lot of folks call in, we explain that to them. And once they realize that even after the rebate, which will be just under $1,000 in most instances, they're still paying out of pocket $2,900 to $3,900. And there's big advantages to using those units, but the reality is that that is the initial cost up front. Right. But of course, the benefits are much higher efficiency and you'll never run out of hot water. The other benefit now is that water tanks don't last as long as they used to. And a good quality tankless heater will have a 15 year warranty on its heat exchanger. And as such, uh, you're guaranteed a 15 years of good performance life out of a water heater that's tankless like that.
0: Whereas are uh,
1: tanks lasting these days? Tanks unfortunately are lasting only between eight and 12 years. And it really has been a shift from 20 years ago when the Edmonton water was softened and they stopped softening it now quite a number of years ago. So we keep seeing decreases in the amount of time that water tanks will last in, into that time frame.
0: Okay. So it's not that the manufacturing has gone downhill necessarily. It's it's the water quality that's gone.
1: It is. I don't believe it's the manufacturing quality at all. And typically, you have a six-year warranty on the tank with most regular tank models. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So with the water not being softened what's the end result to your tank these days? What impact does that have?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I would liken it to sandpaper. So when you've got all these little mineral particles and such getting through that water tank, it's continually chipping away at that surface, almost like sandblasting the interior coat of the water tank and also your pipes. So that's the big deal. There's also a lot of sediment that's created that gets kind of around there and stuck on the bottom of the tank and throughout the, the little chimney core. And so the results are less water tank life because you you do kind of deteriorate and erode that surface, which then develops in a leak. And you also have that deterioration and efficiency of that type of water tank as well, because you have that coat there now that's insulating between the burner and the water. And there's not a lot you can do about that. There's very little that you can do without going through a very, very strenuous, expensive process to make sure that's all flushed out of the water tank. But even when you flush it out of the water tank, it doesn't account for that everyday wear and tear on the tank. Whereas a tankless unit, those are always set up by a good contractor with a couple of ports on there that the homeowner can very easily flush out every year to two years. They don't need a softener on good high quality units, but they do have to be flushed by the customer. But that's a very easy thing to do with very low cost. It's as low cost as getting a gallon of vinegar And flowing that through the tankless system really easily by the homeowner.
0: Okay. So how much does a tank and installation cost these days?
1: Most houses still have a 40-gallon tank. Okay. And what's very common now are 50-gallon tanks and even 75-gallon tanks now are becoming popular. A good quality 40-gallon tank will start around $1,200 for a quality installation of a good product. And then as you go up in volume, you're about $1,500 for a 50 gallon and around $2,000 for a 75 gallon. And there are things that come into play with an installation like anything else, but that would be typical.
0: Right, so if you get unlucky and your hot water tank lasts eight years, say, so on the shorter end of the range, basically, you know, you use up two tanks in the time that you would have the warranty still going on the tankless system. So it's not necessarily as far of a gap in terms of cost as one might think.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You're quite accurate in that, that you're likely going to go through a tank before, you know, 15 years, which is what the warranty is on some of our tankless. And of course, you've got the energy efficiency savings in that. And a lot of people that we're talking to, it's nice to save money on things. It's nice to have water that is never going to run out. But primarily, most folks are calling because they want to be environmentally conscious and friendly more than they have in the past. And that's what that product will provide them. And that's a very common reason that people have them installed. And that's great. The Alberta government's doing a great job in promoting that.
0: Okay so obviously if someone's building a new house it makes sense to just start off with tankless rather than going the tank route.
1: I would agree that would make sense however when building a house that is not a custom build where you're involved with the decision making process we're still seeing the 40 gallon water tanks installed Mm -hmm. because it's a much lower cost point for the builder and developer. Mm -hmm. If you're working with the builder you can absolutely talk to them about that The same thing can be done with the type and quality of a furnace in a house, but we do see predominantly the 40 gallon tank as being the go-to still by manufacturers and the home builders.
0: Have you sat down and done the math in terms of energy savings and how long it takes to recoup the cost from a, you know, if you calculate Mm -hmm. your gas bill, et cetera?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. That's a real wild card because the amount of water used through those tankless is absolutely off the charts in terms of the differences. Again, you have a family of eight, you have a family of one. Uh, When you look at the water usage for showering, bathing, cooking, cleaning, you name it, it's very different. One of the things that we're getting from customers a lot is that they're hoping to have these installed to combat the carbon tax. With the prices increasing on the natural gas cost, That's a bigger issue, and that's what people are pointing out. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the energy savings, what you can expect from a water tank is between 60 and 65% efficiency, whereas the tankless systems are 98% efficiency. So you're gaining around about 40% savings on the natural gas that you would consume, going from one to the other.
0: As long as you don't double how much water you're using. As long as you don't (laughs) double down or triple down. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So Kevin, obviously acclaimed uh, services, the Edmonton area. Now let's say you had a relative across the country and they need help either installing a furnace or hot water tank or another appliance or they just simply need uh, some service work and duct cleaning, et cetera. What would you tell them to look for uh, in terms of trying to find a
1: company to work with? There are a number of things and in priority at the very top with a long distance between number one and number two are online reviews. Okay. And online reviews can be tricky unless you know how to interpret them. But there are a lot of companies out there in any given marketplace that have many, many consumer reviews online and those are available as soon as you click that company. It will show up on Google, Yelp, Homestars, and many other avenues to rate contractors. Going with a contractor that has hundreds of favorable reviews over a long period of time and does not have a gap between today's requirement from that customer and the last review, that's a great person to consider. In addition to that, having a better business bureau contract as a company that gives a customer a lot of assurance as well and of course you want the customer to be you want the company to be licensed and bonded and have wcb coverage those are good questions to ask as well but really jason the number one thing that's made it really easy now more than ever is looking online scrutinizing those reviews And not just looking for companies that have a flawless record. In fact, I would suggest if a company has a flawless record over a long period of time, there's something not quite right there. The big differential is making sure that you're reading those reviews carefully, even the bad ones, and seeing how that company reacted. The difference between a good company and a bad company is how they react to any situations that develop in the the service that you're getting.
0: Yeah, I mean, no one's perfect. It's how do you address the problems when they happen, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And the only time you wouldn't find that type of review system, unfortunately, would be in the smaller markets. So if you live in a, a rural community, for example, you don't have as big a selection. And those are the times where asking neighbors, asking family members, making sure they have all the right credentials and asking the right questions before you decide to go with them is important you should never be going with a company that just doesn't seem right a company that's soliciting you out of the blue that you have never dealt with before that you've never heard from before is something to run from and unfortunately there are companies that are taking advantage of people in fact Weird story and the worst one I've heard from somebody being taken advantage of. I took a call literally yesterday from a 94 year old guy and he was pressured by a company out of Ontario to buy a furnace. They told him that the furnace wasn't safe and they convinced him that he must install a new furnace. So that was a bad situation and the Alberta government has taken steps to avoid that, but it's still happening. In addition to paying the equivalent of about $15,000 for a new furnace that he likely didn't even need in the first place, when they came to install that furnace, they told him that that he had to have an air conditioner also installed at the same time. And he called me yesterday and said to me, would you like a free air conditioner? And I said, well, sure, that would be great. And he said, it's brand new, it's never been used. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, the whole story that I just told you. And that type of thing, unfortunately, is happening. And that happened to a person with a door-to-door salesperson, didn't know the company, there was a lot of pressure on him, and that's something that you should never even entertain.
0: Right. There's also a lot of telemarketers calling for cleaning and whatnot. I I get that fairly regularly, actually.
1: And you know, there's a big difference between getting a call from a company that you've dealt with before, and a company that you've never heard of that you've never dealt with before. A lot of our clients, they expect that yearly call from us, right? And right. Uh, that's the big differentiator. Has a, have you done business with the company that's calling prior to that call, or is it a telemarketing call by a company you've never heard of that really has no right to be calling you? Yeah, Kevin. Before we leave, are there
0: any thoughts or comments or areas that we didn't touch on that you want to add to?
1: Well, I think Jason. At the end of the day, our business going into homes as part of our business. It's very important to recognize that you want to deal with a company that is service first and has that reliability and reputation at large and we do see it unfortunately too often and i'm just bringing it up again because that's the most common part of our business that results in people getting angry and not getting served well is not having that diligence and acclaimed has been around a long time and is a premier provider of service for the HVAC industry, but we're far from the only one. There are many customers that are very happy with other companies, many other great companies that operate ethically. And it's just important to make sure that you're avoiding those people that aren't that because you have a lot of choices. And sometimes people neglect to realize that they have a lot of choices in main markets as to who to go with. And it's understanding what you're having done educate yourself to understand what it is that you need and what your expectations should be of a service or product that you're buying that's okay. the most important thing uh, as far as a takeaway that i think people benefit from the most
0: okay great well thanks for uh spending time with us today kevin
1: jason thanks for having me on it's a great pleasure today and hopefully we've educated some people and people have learned things today.
0: Right, and obviously if they have questions they can give you a call or drop an email, right?
1: Absolutely. Our phone number here is 780-413-1655 and our website is acclaimedfurnace.com. Very easy to find. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Thank you, Jason.